0: From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome everybody to episode 190 of the Killing It... Killing Killing It! podcast much better than when we tried to do it live amazing <laughs> how that
1: actually makes a difference that the virtual amazing studio how nine will just
0: match those up perfectly and it'll be amazing
1: <laughs> after we're, we're all back together again gents after a crazy week away and i want to ask a fun question if you had the opportunity to give a 10-minute speech which will be broadcast worldwide what would you say
0: well I, believe it or not this speech is written <laughs> My my speech is on Relax, Focus, Succeed and the many ways in which the world would be a better place if we all just slowed down 1%. So I won't go on, but you can find all the information you need at (laughs) RelaxFocusSucceed.com.
1: (laughs) See,
0: I
2: I was going to say, I could have answered that question for Carl, because he (laughs) actually lives that answer. He is that 10-minute speech. Um, uh, I I know exactly what I would say, and I've said it in in varying contexts, business and otherwise, a, a number of times. My answer is, be nice. It is amazing how many of the world's problems are self inflicted and can be tracked back directly to the fact that people are just mean pricks. And if people would just not be mean, not be overtly disrespectful of other people, be nice. It's amazing. You you take world religion, you take politics and ethics, and you put it all together, and you get 99% of where you're going just by being nice. So uh, believe me, that doesn't mean be weak and be soft and let people take advantage of you. It means don't be a dirtbag, and it's amazing how much better the world will be.
0: It it goes a long ways in business as well.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely true.
1: I don't have an answer to this. Like, I'm going to, going to admit to everybody that for a guy who talks all the freaking time, uh, I don't have an answer to you, this. You one.
0: just start talking for 10 minutes. I
1: might, probably <laughs> knowing me, and then they pull me off stage. Um, I, th- I actually think if I, if I was, you said, like, what do you want to talk about? I would actually talk about my, my thinking around the only thing you truly control is how you feel yourself is that for me it's very much I think a lot about the fact that really the only thing I control is how I am and how I respond to things and my and I control my own emotional responses. I control that. I can decide every day I can decide if I'm gonna be happy or sad or mad or how and then I can how I react to things. Um, I always try every day to be happy. Why not? Because happier is better than the other choices. Like it's right. like I can wake up and I say, This is gonna be a good day generally works out to be a pretty good day uh (laughs) if you go into it that way and that most things in life are that that if if you are it's just how you respond to these things and to ryan's you can be nice most of the time you just be gracious even if it's not good like taking an extra moment it's hard for me sometimes like i I freely admit like i get spun up and, and those kinds of things but if i remember like i don't have to react that way it's all choice that makes a huge difference for me. Well, so and I you
0: can choose sure. in a, in advance how you will react. So you can choose to be nice by simply making that choice early on. And, yeah, yeah. and not being not being reactionary,
2: right? Uh, also, what, what we will all three need to admit is that when somebody tells us that we get that 10 minutes uh, that will be broadcast to the world, it's actually going to be 15. It's going to be fine. People just yeah, need to slow fine. down and relax and let me get my story out. <laughs> Well, MSPs are frequently at the forefront
1: of cybersecurity challenges. Between changing customer expectations and the growing threat landscape, you're stretched thin. Need a helping hand? Download research sponsored by Field Effect and learn how offering MDR increases revenue, simplifies operations, and maximizes margins for MSPs. This independent analysis explores the growing managed detection and response market and how MSPs can differentiate their managed security service with the right MDR solution. You'll also find insights from five MSPs who have added Covalence, a hybrid MDR solution, to their offerings and the positive impact it's had on business want to learn more about field effect check the link in the show notes i'll kick us off with the first story we've got an example of one stripe laid off 14 percent of the workforce and we're very open about the reasons but this isn't the only story of layoffs metas just had had around uh twitter but we'll get to that one later i think in the show uh, you know there are ex- expectations of uh, layoffs to come at salesforce microsoft just laid off some people uh Gents, I want to think it's worth having a conversation here. Uh, layoffs in tech is dominating the headlines. How are you interpreting those headlines?
0: Well, I think we have to be super clear about who is laying people off. It is really, really big companies. It is. It is not companies with twelve or fifteen employees. It's not even companies with two thousand employees. Uh, it is companies who. Uh, have made some really big mistakes and when they need to make corrections, they need to make corrections by the thousands of employees, right? Uh, Meta laid off more employees than most companies on earth have. Right. You know, Twitter is the same thing. Right. Very few companies have thirty seven hundred employees, let alone can lay off thirty seven hundred. So um, that these companies are making big, big swings because they have either investors or uh, people who are stockholders that have to get their percentage rate. So, um, you know, I don't think this is reflective at all of technology as a whole. And the Nasdaq today is a great reflection of that. People are looking, investors are looking at the tech companies and saying, we see a very, very bright future. And while there's always blips along the road, you have to step on a little gravel, uh, but it is a very strong future. So I don't think it's an issue for most of us at all. See, I will I will go right where you're you're ending
2: there, Carl. This is not an indication of either a broader downturn in the technology market or a contagion into recession for the entire economy. It is very important to note that the last jobs report that we had in the United States showed a net positive of 261,000 additional jobs at the same time that technology is laying off-ish, 100,000 people in this month. The, The thing about layoffs and the thing about recessions is that not only are they cyclical, but they're incredibly predictable because recession happens to the place that was most recently growing the fastest because, and this is not an accident, people over invest, they get exuberant, and they go beyond what is the rational business case, and then they pull back and make adjustments. And that's what the market sees as, oh God, the, the technology industry is laying off 10,000 people. Yes, but what that does in the case of Meta, they're reverting to the number of employees that they had as of May, 2022. In the case of Amazon, they've just announced 10,000 layoffs going back to the number that they had as of March of 2022. These companies hired aggressively more than aggressively enough during the pandemic because the market was there, the numbers were growing, they were getting paid, and now they're adjusting back to what is a more rational business case. You'll see it in their stock price. You'll see it in their revenue. You'll see it in their employee headcount. Eventually, this will look like just a, a little variation on a standard curve of growth for these organizations. It absolutely does not mean that the technology marketplace is suffering or that the solutions we sell are not in high demand by well, our customers.
1: All right, well, I want to... I wanna... Go in a slightly different direction. And I want to push back and say, like, by the way, it's not just big companies it's because Grady and MSP laid off twenty, and they're not—they're not in the thousands and thousands. I would say that it's—it it is, however, predictable, as as you say, like when thing when the outlook looks negative and the market looks a little rough, this is when executives start making preparations. That's what, by the way, I've been warning over on Business Tech all the time about is like choppy waters ahead. You need to be planning for this stuff. My takeaway here is, is two-part. The first is is calling many of these companies tech companies is actually a misnomer. Meta is a social media company. They, they use technology, but it's a so, social right. media. They are a media company more than a technology company. Uh, you know, Stripe is a payments company. They're a financial company much more than they are a tech company. They're tech-enabled, but their product set is financial our listeners are actual technology companies right because they're selling actual technology and technology implementations into businesses these are businesses in other lines right they they happen to be technology enabled they lean in on that and they were overly aggressive which leads to my second point uh for me the the big item here is is like look this is a indication that leadership made a mistake. They anticipated a market that would look one way and it is ends up looking somewhat else. They are making a course correction. That's okay, right? You're allowed to do that. You're expected to do that in leadership and you are not gonna have a hundred percent record. Be pretty cool if you did. But but you're not gonna do that, right? So you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes. What I actually am much more interested in noting is the how that's done. How how a leader Owns that organization's his responsibility or her responsibility for running the the direction and how they execute. Mark Zuckerberg gave a a masterclass in exactly how to do that. Right, owned the problem was was said it was my mistake. Took responsibility for it. Was very generous with his people. Base four months severance plus months for years of service. I mean, it's it's very very elegant versus, and we'll get into topic two, Twitter. But by the way, even organizations like like Gradient, you look at the way that was the announcement was done. Oh, this is a very sad, sad moment. The business is now perfectly positioned for the future. There's a missing step in the middle, which is responsibility. And the responsibility of leadership to say, we made a mistake. We overhired, we hired these people and we don't need them anymore, and we're gonna own that. You've gotta do that. And the way you execute I think speaks to the way you run your org.
0: Well, and the, the real difference there is th- the investors don't care, right? The investors don't care about the uh, taking responsibility piece. What they care about is the bottom line. Um, it's the future employees who m- may may decide to apply or not apply to a specific company. They get to see that. Unfortunately... But but people don't have memories. I mean, Stripe, you have to remember, Stripe was founded in 2010. They have zero memory of the last recession as an organization, right? Uh, Employees, three years from now, are not gonna remember how Facebook or anybody else handled a situation.
1: I I think that stuff lingers. I'm gonna push back just for a quick second and say, because particularly with sites like Blind and with the the, the way that you can search on that that sentiment, I think it sticks around, but we're out of time.
0: Yes, sadly, we're on to topic number two, which is even sadder. We have avoided covering Twitter on this show because uh, we, we kind of don't want to use the term shit show a lot. Um, and, but Twitter is the gift that keeps on giving. If what you do is talk about technology companies uh, and what we want to focus on is one specific element, which is that uh, amongst all the other things going on at Twitter, Elon Musk has made the statement that in cutting their force, one of the things that they have to have is that, you know, they have some lawsuits that have forced them to certify that they are doing certain things to stay legal with regard to their privacy policies and how they're implemented. When they make a change to technology, it affects how privacy matters are dealt with. And so he has said, well, I'm afraid we're going to have to force engineers to self-certify that the projects that they're working on meet all of the privacy requirements of the court cases. Um, I think that's a really, really bad idea. And we've talked about this with regard to Boeing and uh, government agencies and so forth. Self-certifying is never the right answer, in my opinion. What say you? And you're free to talk about anything twitter related now that but- well see again i will I,
2: I will i will take that prompt and say uh yeah shitshow is the the kindest way that we could describe the twitter situation but i think this is where it comes down to the rubber meeting the road here's here's a question and again dave to your point that i think is important on the layoffs the changes that needed to be made to the Twitter business model are all reasonably apparent to you, me, and anybody who thinks carefully about the business of technology. They had too many people. They did not have a rapid enough product cycle. They do not have diversified revenue streams. They need to improve moderation and privacy and security, etc. All of those things needed to happen, but A... You need to be a human about the way you do those things and not a monster. And when you do those things, I think this is the kind of stuff that people... People won't just remember the way that Elon laid people off. They won't just remember his entrance into the building. They will talk about it at Harvard Business School in a case study as a classic example of how not to do things as a leader in the future. But where it meets the road is the question of how does your management decision alter the way your employees work and the relationship you have with your customers. When you take that responsibility of the customer relationship off of the business and put it onto the individual, whether you were talking about a software developer, a technical engineer, or a salesperson, you get cowboy behavior, you get things that are not on strategy or plan for the organization, and you create absolute chaos in your business strategy. It is Never the right idea to transfer the the brand responsibility or the nature of that customer relationship onto a single individual. You have to maintain the individual contributing value to the organization and then the business presents a product or a service to the world or to its customer base. Elon has divorced the organization from that responsibility, pushing it down to the individual contributor a, you're going to have violations. It's going to happen. Self-certification never solves the problem. And B, that is absolutely going to bankrupt the concept of brand trust between Twitter and its end users. Because you put it on that guy named Dave instead of on Twitter, the organization, and that is going hey. to break the trust. Hey, I resemble that statement.
1: Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but look. that guy, Dave. Exactly, no, that's Dave, I swear. I mean, look, so, so let, let's get really tactical on this. Twitter had a series of violations for misusing customer data. That's why they settled with the FTC and they have a 20 year binding agreement. By the way, when this all started going down, the people in charge of that, the compliance officers resigned when part of the the deal was in in any change of ownership, within 14 days there had to be a notification if those processes would be in place. The people required to certify that resigned on day 13 because they obviously did not want to sign off on what was happening here. That's a job no one would want right now. And by the way, you know, say what you want on around, you know, Elon's tangling with the SEC. The FTC does not mess around. The FTC puts people in jail for felony offenses on these things. This is not a thing to mess around with. And by the way, the, you know, so-called richest man in the world is telling his engineers, you personally are now on the, uh, r- r- the responsibility for this. There's a lawyer inside of Twitter who works for them who posted on their internal Slack saying, this is a really bad idea. And here's the link for the whistleblower organization. Like, <laughs> like this is horrific in terms of what, what, what they're asking. And again, think value discrepancy here. The man who has all the money is telling the people with the less money that you are no responsibility and personally responsible for this stuff. That's not how risk is supposed to be managed, right? There's a risk reward handoff that is becoming completely out of whack. That's how you don't keep people. And that's where I think the lesson is, right? I think the the insight you wanna get in here is is you can only ask people individually as employees to take on so much risk proportionate to the benefit that they're getting. This is massively disproportionate. I like jail time (laughs) versus what your salary is. It's like, no, that's not how this calculus
0: goes. And sort of tying this with the employment question that we just talked about, what happens to the 3,700 employees who are still there? Are they all tuning up their resumes? Are they all on LinkedIn begging somebody to give them a, an endorsement so that they can jump ship? Uh, you know, we don't cover Twitter much just because we could do a story every week. So, so as we're covering Twitter, we have to look at the bigger picture and say, you know, where do we think we're gonna be, whatever four months from now when we we cover Twitter again, will this all have been just a little blip in the ocean or will this be a sea change for an organization that may actually not exist in another year? Well, if you look at the proportionality
2: of this, Elon laid off half of the full-time staff, but that's not the only cut that was made in the organization because he also has now severed ties with 80% of the contractors, meaning that what was announced as a layoff of thirty-five, thirty-six hundred individuals is actually more like 8,000 individuals. That is radically more disruptive to every daily operating process that they have, again, I agree that that business needed right sizing and needed a business model change, and it required something that would make them much more relevant in the way that they provide value to their customers. That business was broken, but he has broken it further to the point that, and this is my favorite, guys, today, the headline is that Elon has tweeted that he will personally be sleeping at the Twitter headquarters every single night from now until the organization is fixed. Oh, also, by the way, uh, not only does everybody have to come in and work in the office, no more work remote, but also they're canceling the employee cafeteria, the subsidized food for employees on campus. Uh, So what was an organization that was widely renowned to be one of the most engaging and collegial cultures in the technology industry has become a poisoned culture in just the span of two and a half weeks. And I don't think sleeping at the office is actually going to fix that thing plus it sounds horrible like like who wants like who wants to move I have a home for a reason
1: like you know I don't live to be in my office I live to live
0: yeah as a business coach that sleeping at the office is not a scalable uh, way to run a (laughs) business
1: (laughs) because a a valuable (laughs) as we threw to the earlier bit in Carl's 10 minute speech relax focus succeed man
2: (laughs) that's the name of the speech I know. Hey, by the way, exactly. Uh, Elon, I I got a website for you. I think it could make a big difference in your life. But we're going to move on to topic number three. And if you think that it's going to get less crazy on this topic, uh, guys, we started with layoffs. Then we talked about the mess that is Twitter. And now we're going to talk about the world of crypto. Because if you were a, I'm using, for those of you who are listening to me, I'm using scare quotes when I say, if you were an investor in FTX or any of the other uh, exchanges in the crypto world, um, you get to learn the hard lesson about being a gambler. And when you put everything on red and it comes up black... Things are not nearly as rosy. So the news items, obviously, that everybody has heard, uh, FTX has declared bankruptcy when it was discovered that their balance sheet was uh, excessively vulnerable to their internal house currency. They were over leveraged on things that had no external fiat value and they were doing shenanigans by lending stable resources from investor money into their hedge fund for risky bets. So not only has that exchange gone away, not only has the related hedge fund gone away, also 130 related sister organizations, Um, But now the question is going to be, what will be the blast radius for FTX in the larger crypto marketplace? Uh, You guys, uh, we've talked about crypto uh, occasionally in the past with responses that ranged anywhere from, huh, to what the hell, to why. And uh, (laughs) my question now is, what do you guys think about this last little nuclear implosion?
1: I gotta I gotta so I want to look at it at two levels. Like I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and be smart, try and be intelligent on this one. <laughs> I gotta analyze I, I am such a fundamentals kind of business person. I, I look at you know revenue and cost of goods sold and EBITDA and I look at the basic formula of a business to to sort of analyze. I am not the, the one who says like I'm a super expert on the on all of these market dynamics, but I always look at it and sort of say, look, these are assets. If I can measure assets, I can understand the fluctuation in value, and I can make some some general interpretations around that and apply it to the market. That's the way that I look at it. I want to I want to always leave a little space for. Look, I don't get crypto, but I if I was in the 1800s, I might not entirely understand the idea of stock and partial ownership and trading in assets of organizations and stuff like that when it when the idea was introduced. But what I Struggle with is every single time I ask somebody in crypto to explain to me practical uses of this thing, the examples are not very good, right? The examples are not, they're not actually solving a lot of problems that they have. And every time you look at it, you look on one end and say, Everyone that says decentralized is the answer turns out scammers go crazy, right? There's a reason you have some level of control in a marketplace so that, like, the scammers doesn't, don't take everything. But every time you go to centralized control in this, this realm, you get these people that are taking advantage of it individually and playing all these games, there's kind of a reason why we have markets that have independent controllers like, I don't know, the government that help help manage this stuff. And again, I'm looking for crypto. I want to leave space for innovation. I want to leave space for these new ideas. But somebody's going to need to come up with me with actually more practical applications than this, than just, we want a crazy new thing.
0: Well, you know, one of the things to keep in mind is individual coins go up and down, up and down, one of the issues here that's going on today is that the exchanges are going out of business and that means ultimately it'd be like if the New York Stock Exchange says no we're not we're not going to let you make these trades we're not we're not going to be here to to manage the trading from one currency to another or one stock to another that's huge and and part of what what it reflects is what Dave has been saying for I don't know 5 years that uh, you know, this isn't a real thing right? <laughs> that, that it, it, it does. It hasn't yet served a purpose. The, the interesting winner out of this, if I were going to make a prediction, write this down and, and talk to me in six months is Ethereum, because Ethereum is being used for actual things, right? It's basically taking blockchain and using it, attaching it for uh, purposes such as bookkeeping and so forth. As a result, Again, Ethereum is becoming something that's based in large part on the dollar. So as the dollar goes up and down, I think Ethereum will recover and bounce along with the dollar. Uh, it's It recently has its performance has sucked along with all the other coins. But part of that is if you can't have a standard interchange where you all understand how you trade from one currency to another, uh, the way we do with dollars and pounds and other things, um, it becomes less useful to, to think of Bitcoin or the other coins as actual currencies, right? Uh, at least Ethereum does something other than that. <laughs> so, but, but the rest of the coins, this may be, be the beginning of the end, although many, many, many organizations, including many financial organizations, have invested in Bitcoin. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't take any of my salary in Bitcoin uh, as part of my <laughs> negotiations.
2: <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, w- I would be curious to know whether any of the celebrities who appeared in the FTX commercials back during the Super Bowl and beyond, Tom Brady and uh, others like that, did you take your compensation strictly in their coin or did you take it in fiat currency in cold hard dollars? Um, because if you took it in dollars, it makes me question whether or not you actually believed in the product you were promoting. And if you took it in, uh, in the coin, Um, congratulations, this is a lesson in gambling everything on an idea as opposed to a tangible reality, right? Now, I, I will go to where you were saying, Carl, because I believe that the best corollary to understand what they're trying to create in... uh, when they say a new currency, what they mean is a different form of trusted exchange, whether that is for cash value or for goods and services or for the designation of trusted information. Everything about this argument around crypto comes down to the question of trust. And the mechanism of decentralization was created, it was conceived, to take out the manipulation of the quote-unquote system, the they in the conversation. They wanted to take the power away from the system and bring it back to the individuals because they believed that individuals as participants and as decision makers, would always have everybody's best interest in mind, and therefore, a decentralized system could be more trustworthy than a centralized system. Yeah, except that when the people who are actually aggregating things in that new trust economy are actually just charlatans who are transferring their customers' money over into private hedge funds, are programming in uh, undisclosed backdoors into the accounting system so that they can alter the financial statements and move money in and out of the Bahamas without notifying others. The concept of the, uh, of the blockchain, I think, is rock solid. The concept of crypto I think is still interesting, but the concept of trust in crypto is completely bankrupt. And I don't care who stays in business over the next five years in the crypto industry. Every single one of them will pay a price in reduced trust because nobody takes those people seriously anymore.
1: So I want to, because I want to jump in, like, I actually went to an expert on this. And I'll, I'll plug a YouTube video that I did with an interview with Omid, Omid Malikan from the Columbia Business School, who's literally calls himself the explainer-in-chief of blockchain technology. And we talked about, we talked literally about this space and applying it. And it came down to, like, that thought of there are ways to do this. You could look at it as, because it is a new thing. And you could look at it in ways of, ways of buying into organizations earlier in their lifespan. That's one way of thinking about it or buying into individuals, supporting them. There are models of this that make sense, but I definitely want to observe that like it's, you're going to have to have specific use cases and this sort of just chaos of new assets, I don't think is the way this is going to fall out.
0: Well, sadly, that will do it for an excellent edition. Episode 190 of the Killing It podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It Podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.